Hey, Nicole. Hi, Evie. Cheers, Cheers to the queers. Cheers to the queers. Mm. Delicious. Oh, yeah. So how are you? I'm so good. Yeah? What's going on? Um, I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Forever. It's been like 11 hours. <laughs> uh, things have been good since I last left you. Um, yeah? Yeah, like 11 hours That's ago. That's amazing. I, I feel um, like so much has changed. You look so different. You're wearing different clothes. Your hair looks different. Uh, well, I, I mean, I did in fact change my clothes. Wow. Okay. That's... Considering I did laundry at your house, I was able to change into <laughs> clean clothes. Um, and I did, uh, I went to bed. I woke up so that that happened in between. So she's been longer than 11 hours. We'll say it was a good 24 hours. <laughs> come to think of it. Um, but yeah, it's been a good 24 hours. Yeah. It was, it was, I'd like to say it was nice today because people consider warm weather nice. Oh, it was beautiful today. I like cold weather I and wintry conditions. Yeah. But it was nice in that way. Like, uh, I did take my dog, Texas, for a long walk. Well, actually, no, I lost him for a little while. So I, I guess a so long walk is... Took himself for a long <laughs> exactly. walk. Exactly. Uh, that was pretty frightening, but I did find him in the yeah. next yard. Oh, good. But, uh, so he, it's funny that I was going to say I took him for a long walk, but that was straight up a lie. I lost him. But I uh, got him back. He's back better than ever. I mean, you know, he's the same. Uh, but yeah, so it has been, you know, work and then coming here. It's a nice day. It's a pretty fall day. All the leaves, as you know, I'm an avid leaf goer and all the leaves are very nice and it's lovely today. Yeah, it is a beautiful day. A little warm. Day. My sister and I decided on we decided on the AC today for a little bit. No, no. So, yeah. it was not that warm. No, it was, it was, it was, it was like 60, but it's not AC weather. It was not mm, AC weather. It's, it's hot. It was not hot. Yes. I like it when I can crack the window open in my bedroom and it'd be like in the thirties. So just everything gets cool real quickly. But. I mean, I guess 60 compared to 30 is hot, but yeah, gross. It's basically summer. So oh, how, how are you? I'm great. I basically had the day off work, um, got to work and they were sort of like, yeah, you know, we don't really have anything today. So nice. That's which was excellent because I got so much stuff done that I have not had the time to do between work and this podcast and just regular life. I just haven't had a chance. And the Americans. And the Americans. Yeah. Well, that's true too. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, I am almost there. Oh, I can't wait. Best show ever. But you, uh, yeah, I did see you made a bunch of kombucha. I made kombucha. Yeah. I made two batches last night and then one today. Nice. And I made lentil soup today and I got my phone fixed. I, uh, da, 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 ran a couple of other errands. I went to the UPS store, which I've been putting off because I'm terrible at shipping things. Oh, that sounds like we need to be sponsored for those stamps <laughs> or something. Stamps, stamps. That I have because it's on every podcast I listen to one there. Like literally but you this just was UPS, not USPS. Whatever. But you said it like in real time. So we literally need that sponsorship because like normally it sounds like it's completely like just fabricated or whatever, especially for, you know, like we were both fans of the black tapes and like Pacific yeah. Northwest. They always talk about stamps.com, but you actually need it. So yeah, no, it's true. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's like, I'm really good at packaging things up, but what are you like wrapping things? Yeah. Well, or even, you know, putting something in an envelope with a stamp and everything who is just are, getting it out of the house is a challenge for me. Well, I feel like that's a challenge for most. I don't feel like people are like Amos is amazing at it. She I, is just boom, boom, boom on top of that shit. But I am not, and you know what? That's okay. 
I'm messy. I literally haven't mailed anything since like 1943. So I don't even, <laughs> I can't even think of the last thing I mailed. If it has to be mailed, it chances are I just don't do it, which is probably this is my, awful. This is my point. Yeah. So I ordered some stuff on Amazon Prime wardrobe, right? So it's like you return it and you'll get your money back and we'll never charge you. And it's like, okay, that sounds like a great idea until you become me. And you're like, oh, fuck, how am I ever going to get it to the EPS store? Is Amazon wardrobe, is that like... Amazon dresses too? Like, no, it's more okay. like you can try these things on and they don't charge you unless you keep it. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was like a style thing. Or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got it. I have a, a style guru yeah. from Amazon. Amazon. Well, or no, I was thinking actually I'm more like... ashamed I use Amazon still, but moving on. Oh, is that bad? Do we not use Amazon? Well, I mean, they're just, you know, one of those fucking convenient as shit. Yeah. I know it sucks, but I buy so much random stuff Same from here, Amazon. And they yeah. have it. I mean, like I just found out about this spice. I can't even remember what it's called, but like it's supposed to make Indian food just taste like Indian food. It's this underlying like thing that, uh, it's a plant. Okay. I, I, if, I, I can't remember. Fenna something. Fennel? No. It's okay. Fennel. <laughs> you seem like the type of person that would know fennel for a while. <laughs> so, uh, I grow fennel. Yeah. Of course you do. So <laughs> I, Indian food is hands down probably my favorite. Exactly. But um, so my my staples for Indian food is um, a mixed pickle. Hands down like the best thing. Now mixed pickles like the, it's a really, really fucking tart and like intense. But like on Indian food, it's so good, but it's got like these really strong curry flavors. It's usually made with mango, but like pickled mango. Oh, the chutney. Yeah, but it's not a chutney because like the chutney's like it, you literally actually have to order the mixed pickle. Oh, okay. it's got a lot of spice to it. Okay. You don't need a lot, but it's so good. So mixed pickle, and you can actually buy it. Um, that what I usually do is go to Indian restaurants and buy sides of it because uh-huh. it's better. Like you can buy it in the store, like mango mixed pickle or whatever, but. Chutney's so different. Chutney's gotcha. got a lot, like a lot more sweetness to it. Okay. This is not sweet. It's got like um, it's it's definitely more savory. It's got a lot of curry flavor. It's got a lot of uh, fennel flavor. It's just pickles with like fennel and curry. It's very good. Okay. Uh, my favorite thing ever. Most people can't eat it. It's kind of like hardcore. It's like an extreme food. <laughs> like it's intense, <laughs> but I love it. And also, so, since we're talking about spices, oh, it's yeah. just remind me. I found this thing that is like one of the best things I've ever found, and it's called um it's just called like um crispy chili spice so it's basically this um you can get them in like asian markets and stuff and it's 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 like uh crushed red pepper garlic chilies all muddled a bit with an uh usually in oil i'm not exactly sure what oil but it's really crunchy and it's got crushed up peanuts in it oh oh my god on everything it's so good <laughs> Oh, I don't know what wonderful. led me to that, but like since we were talking about it, I just I found it at this um. There's a uh, a couple markets in like Madison Heights that you can get it at. And stuff. Yeah, well, that's where I was today to get my phone fixed. Well, next time you're there, pick up this. It's like spicy, spicy, crispy chili. That's literally what it's called. And there's like this picture of this woman on it, and it's just what if you ask them, they'll know because it's it's like okay. kind of a hot topic right now. But well, it's yeah, so I good. almost went to the Asian market, but so I needed regular groceries too, like just like. All kinds of shit, you know, just like yeah. basic staples here. So what I did was, because I didn't have my phone, and I'm not super familiar with the area, I figured, well, if I keep driving, at some point I'll run into a grocery store. True. And you know what? I did. Good. Wow. <laughs> my hey, hypothesis hey, panned you. out. Thank you for sharing your story. You're so brave. It, it was... Uh, You're so it, brave. It was one of those moments of, of 
pure victory. I felt as if I understood my inner compass was it's like spot on four miles away. Just it was three. <laughs> like Madison says, I can like almost see it. On the, but um, yeah. So check out the cri- the crazy crispy spicy chili. It's so okay, good. I will. I will. And they have one at um Trader Joe's too. But it's very not as good. It's just oniony. Yeah, and I like onion. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's overwhelming. And the one at the Asian store is much better. So well, I recommend. It's probably more authentic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's um, good. It's fucking good. So well. okay, so there's a couple things that I wanted to follow up with you on. Okay. about last week. Couple? I mean, one I know, but well, yeah, I just will. Nervous. The McKamey Manor thing. Yes. So I found out that. Apparently, if you actually complete it, you'll get $20,000. Okay, so we're going to complete it, right? Yeah, we're totally going to do it. Okay. You're Unwanted gonna... dental work is all yours. Well, I was going to say, you can do it, because I feel like you would be in like, the no, bearing you, thing. you'd get the unwanted dental work. I'll do everything else. How about if we get somebody to do it, we'll give them five grand. <laughs> that sounds like a great deal. <laughs> it's a great deal. You do all um, the work, and then give me most of the money. That's well, corporate America. That's yeah, how it works. and that's why... Anyway, um, of Wall Street over here. Sorry. <laughs> um, but so I found actually, actually there's an article on it in BuzzFeed this week. Like it's kind of making its rounds. Yeah, so, it is. but I feel like we were first. <laughs> I don't, I, that's oh, we was, broke that news. We, we broke always the breaking news. <laughs> we broke that I mean, news. We really so here you hear That's where you heard it here first, folks. First and foremost. And uh, first no, and foremost. Okay. I don't know. All right. I'm into it. Um, but yeah, so. And what was the other one then? Uh, well, the other one was I wanted to tell you about Tilson Street. Have you heard about Tilson Street in Romeo? Yes. I feel like if we didn't talk about it, that I talked to my sister or somebody. We did not talk about it. I'm obsessed with the idea of going there. I'm obviously a leaf hunter, and I'm really into the Halloween. So, and I saw that you went there, and I'm not going to, like, say that I was a little, like, jealous about it, but I was a little jealous about it. It was a surprise to me. It was Amos messaged me on Wednesday or Thursday because and said, no, it was Wednesday, and she said, Will you go on a date with me tonight? And I said, okay. And she said it was haunted. And so I didn't know what to expect other than maybe like a haunted hayride or something. Cause I knew it wasn't going to be a haunted house. Nope. Turned out it was Tilson street. It was so much fun. I highly recommend it. Okay. So I think maybe I will go there. Maybe I'll go there tomorrow night. I'm oh, gonna... you have to yeah. go. It's totally fucking worth it. Yeah. Can I just, um, so for people who don't know, Tilson street is, a uh, an old street in a like sort of suburb in Metro Detroit, Romeo, yeah, Romeo, Michigan. Yeah. Is that, is that still Metro Detroit? Everything is Metro Detroit. Okay. So it is. And, um, all New, the, all New the York homes, is Metro Metro Detroit. All, all the homes there are really old Victorian style. I mean, they're just beautiful, gigantic porches, just all this like beauty everywhere. And everybody on this street really does up their houses like to the nth degree. It was just absolutely insane like I saw skeletons of dragons and horses and I can't even imagine how much money these people spend on this stuff I mean there was an entire wedding party of skeletons it was absolutely insane if you like google Halloween towns in the United States I mean if you do (laughs) who would who wouldn't I mean, exactly. I totally do. (laughs) Romeo is like uh, up there in the first few because it's it's really like it's, I mean, they really, they do something there. Well, and so. where we parked was right kind of around the corner and there was this beautiful funeral home and I was just, and the, there was a house or a building, an old house converted into a commercial space now, I guess, that was empty and for rent. And I was said to Amos, I was like, oh my God, we could live on Tilson street. 
right next to the funeral home right here. And then like, cause it's a corner house. Is it connected to the funeral home? No. Okay. But I mean, how perfect would that be? We live in Halloween time all year round. Super dope. And if, I mean, I can't really like explain Evie's house as much as basically saying there are literally like skulls and skeletons everywhere. Is this an all, this is an all year thing? No. No, but they're really, I mean, you can't go three feet without seeing a skull or a rat. Not like a real rat or a skeleton or like a skeleton head or something like that. So. Yeah, I didn't get the um, centipedes out this year. Oh, gross. Don't get them out. <laughs> I usually like to tape them up to like a, a, a wall or something. So it just looks like the entire wall has centipedes crawling up. I just it's didn't have time this year. Kind of my apartment in the summer. Ish, yeah. Oh, there's well, so many centipedes in my look. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So that sounds so very cool. And I wanted to touch... Uh, touch back into something I talked about last week and that um, the podcast we were talking about with the exorcist. Yes. What was that? Um, <laughs> that's really funny. It's called inside the exorcist inside the exorcist. It's from Wondery. It's so good. There's actually three seasons of um, this style podcast, which is kind of a inside psycho and inside jaws too. Ooh. But I mean, I haven't listened to those, but I did listen to the exorcist one. And it's so good. And it's so creepy. And it tells all these like true stories of what happened on set. And like, there was actually like a murder charge on one of the casts. And it's, it's very good. I strongly recommend listening to it. Oh, I can't. Uh, yeah. I would definitely, I'm definitely going to download it. Beautiful. In Excellent. fact, I'm going to do that right now That's while we really get to the news. How about <laughs> All right. Hear he, hear he. Read all about it. Yes. Extra, extra. No, I like hear he, hear. It's, I don't know. I get nervous. It's, it's time for your badge double. Time for the news. We have some scary news and not so scary news. What are your news pieces? I have one that's sort of charged, and then I have one that sounds fun. So should Uh, we start with the charged one, maybe? We can. Yeah, you want to go first? So we can end on a happy note? Sure. I mean, I like that. You've mine got, are kind of, yeah. I mean, we, well, mine, you've got, yeah, you've got two kind of uplifting ones, don't you? Always. Okay. <laughs> more the positive of us two. But go ahead, yeah. So this one is, it's just kind of the this big controversy that's been raging in the uh, Texas courts. It's been kind of all over the news this week. So you might have heard about it already, except you couldn't possibly have heard about it because we break all the news here first. Breaking news. All the time. All of our sources are in our show notes. P.S. So, um, there's this child. Um, so there's a bitter custody battle happening between uh, these two parents who are divorcing. Uh, Anne Jorgulas, I don't know how to say that correctly, and Jeffrey Younger. Um, they were married for four years. They got a divorce. They're in a bitter custody battle over their child, who Anne claims identifies as a girl and wishes to be called Luna. I'm not going to say the child's uh, birth name out of respect for the child. Um, Ultimately, though, uh, Jeff, daddy-o there, is trying to basically claim that Anne is uh, abusing the child by allowing the child to identify as female. Okay. Uh, so a judge ruled on Thursday, last Thursday, the decisions over issues like medical procedures and psychiatric, psychiatric, bleh, psychiatric treatment 
should be reached by both parents together, even though previously a jury had awarded her primary custody. Um, the case sparked outcry on the political right with conservatives echoing Daddio's claims of child abuse. Uh, the Texas Attorney General even weighed in and said that they would be having Child Protective Services go in and check on the kid and make sure that there's no child abuse happening. But of course, they considered this whole thing child abuse, so I don't know how that's going to work in terms of an impartial sure. investigation. Yeah. investigation. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dr. Ann, mama, is a pediatrician. She said that her child, Luna, who has a twin brother, began to express a desire to be a girl in when she was three. And she's, she wanted to wear dresses and she wanted to look like the female characters from the Disney movies. Uh, Daddy-O and Mama, their marriage was annulled in 2016. And as I said, she was given exclusive control over the decisions regarding the children. There had to have been a reason for that too. So the fact that it's actually been sort of reversed and now they have shared uh, decision-making, you know, the fact that they think that this is enough to, to make that, I mean, cause usually you re it requires like a significant change in circumstances to change a uh, parental custody stuff. Sure. So it's, it's interesting. So some, yeah. Yeah. Something must've happened. And well, it's the, the courts agree or the courts basically agreeing that, yeah, this is potentially, but I mean, in the first Harmful place, to the child, because normal, I mean, did he, did he fight for custody in the beginning or, um, you know, I don't have all the back. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah. if she was awarded like sole decision-making and sole custody, then there was probably, he either didn't go for it or something. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, usually that's the case, but. Well, according to, uh, mama bear and her lawyer, uh, Luna has been dressing as a girl in public and going to school as a girl. Um, and she has requested that people call her Luna. She was diagnosed when she was five uh, with gender identity disorder and has been receiving a lot of different care from a lot of different types of doctors, including psychiatrists who have all, all the therapists and counselors who uh, testified in the account or in the case have basically said that nobody's pressuring this child to identify this way. But that's what Daddy-O is claiming. He's basically saying that mom is trying to make this kid uh, female when the kid isn't female. Ugh, and the judges are like, it seems like they're at least open up to the possibility that that's the case. I mean, well, that's at, just right at least some bias. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then the attorney general wanting to investigate for child abuse. It's just fucked up. So basically daddy -O started, uh, I'm not going to read all the awful and disparaging things that he's said because he doesn't deserve that airtime, but he's basically, uh, he started a website, um, to get support. And so he's gotten a lot of, uh, support from super right-wing people, including Scrotus, the so-called ruler of the United States, um, as well as his kid, Don Jr., who wrote, this is child abuse in a tweet. And Ted Cruz, of course, you know, the ultimate yep. grim reaper. They've all spoken out against this. Shocking as that may be. <laughs> Um, so ultimately mama bear has basically said that, um, she would only consider hormone suppression treatment once the children have reached puberty. And if the child persists in identifying as a girl, she basically said that, um, 
you know, she would wait on the puberty blockers and things like that. And, and all the experts are saying, yeah, well, that's what you do. You wait until, you know, puberty hits before sure. you put in the puberty blockers. Um, but that, you know, delaying hormone suppressors and things like that can be, um, dangerous and, and that's psychologically harmful yeah, for sure to the child. So, um, so yeah, that's raging on in, in Texas right now. It's oh Texas. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty bitter, bitter battle. Okay. Well keep us updated on that. Yeah, I'm, for sure. I'm interested for sure. So that was my bitter news for the day. So let's, uh, do you want me to finish off with my other piece and then you can end us off or I can go okay. next. Go okay. So, um, Bogota, Colombia, Colombia's capital city elected its first female mayor Sunday and what is being hailed as an important advancement for both women and LGBTQ rights. What? Yeah. Why, why for LGBTQ rights? Because I mean, it's, it's Colombia. Literally it's like in South America. It just hasn't happened yet. And this is a, just a huge news story coming out. Oh. The mayor of Bogota, the capital city is like considered second to president. Okay. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Claudia Lopez won the race for mayor of Bogota on a platform promising to combat correct, corruption and advance equal rights for minority communities. I, I mean, that's pretty progressive. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Alianza Verde candidate captured over 1.1 million votes, or about 35% of the vote, defeating runner-up Carlos Galan by 2.7 percentage points. You go, girl. Right? <laughs> With her victory, Lopez also becomes the first openly lesbian mayor of a capital city in Latin America, a region slowly advancing and impri- improving LGBTQ rights, but where longstanding cultural biases and uh, inequality remains barriers. Oh, that's so yeah. fucking fabulous. This is the day of the woman, she said to a jubilant crowd. We knew that only by uniting could we win. We did that. We united. We won. And we made history. She vowed to continue uniting Colombians across the political spectrum and work to improve daily life issues like public transportation. I love that this is brought up because it just shows how annoying public transportation is everywhere. everywhere. Like, I mean, here, it's so bad in Detroit. Like, the butt, it's just such a frustrating thing. And it's, I mean, for being, for being, the I mean, city I that we're Woodward bus to be really sure if you just need to go to Woodward, but if you need to yeah, go to any for other sure. yeah, okay, streets, I get it. yeah. it's a lot more difficult. Um, and then we have the queue that no, just that's... goes there and there. But like in Boston, it was such a contentious issue. I mean, everybody knows about the green line there, <laughs> the fucking green line. But no, it's just funny that public transportation is just that thing that like I mean, everybody Nobody can come together on. Has everybody can come together. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then again, many in the LGBTQ community praise Lopez's victory as an important step forward in a country where gay and lesbians still confront harassment. Earlier this year, a man was caught on camera pushing and screaming profanities at two gay men in their early 20s. They were hugging and holding hands at an upscale mall in Columbia's capital. So it's still an issue there. It's an um, upscale mall, which just goes to show you money can't buy you class. <laughs> I mean, if that right? guy had to fucking... Um, violence on these guys for loving each other. Jesus fucking Christ. I know. Conservative former president um, Alvaro Ureb acknowledged his party setbacks, stating on Twitter that I recognize the defeat with humility. Yeah, well. Uh, It's a little (laughs) passive-aggressive, but he recognizes it. At least he's not like, you know, I don't know. So, yeah, I think it's a really awesome story. That's so great, yeah. um, I have, in Boston, I have a lot of friends from Columbia, and it just, I don't know, it warms my heart. And they're all, like, really lovely people, and it just, I don't know, I love me. 
my main Colombian friend. So, no. yeah. Um, my okay. favorite author was Colombian. Yeah? Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about it. Gabrielle Garcia Marquez. And I, yeah. That's what I figured, but. Love, love, love. Um, yeah. It's funny. I was actually Magical watching... realism is just one of my favorite genres, so. I was watching um, Looking for Alaska yesterday, and he's featured on that that show. It's on Hulu. It's something you would. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to guess that you probably wouldn't be into, but <laughs> it just doesn't seem, it's almost like, so it was a, it was an, uh, a book in uh, the early 2000s and they made it, it's very young and I'm a little too old to watch it, but I still like, it, first of all, the music is, it's all set in 2005. I mean, they play like Postal Service and all this really fun 2005 music. So like Rilo Kylie and the stuff that, you oh, know, I like, love Rilo Kylie. Right? Yeah. So it's like fun music. And, um, but yeah, that's like a very featured author in the show. So. Okay. Okay. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you have, I have another new story, but where are you at? Do you want to finish up? Are you, is this something you're really excited about or? Well, okay. Well, yeah. I kind of love, okay. What? You go ahead. No, you. Okay. <laughs> you want to go? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. Love them. Two very well-known, venerable actors um, are going to star in a movie called Supernova. And it's a movie written direct, written and directed by Harvey, Mc, or excuse me, Harry McQueen, who did Hinterland. Um, Supernova centers on Sam, who will be played by Colin Firth, and Tusker, who will be played by uh, Stanley Tucci, who are going to be partners of 20 years who are traveling across England in their old RV, visiting friends, family, and places from their past. Since Tusker was diagnosed with early onset dementia two years ago, their time together is the most important thing they have. As the trip progresses, however, their ideas for the future clash, secrets come out, and their love for each other is tested as never before. Ultimately, they must confront the question of what it means to love one another in the face of Tusker's illness. Supernova is a deeply romantic modern love story, says McQueen. It follows two people who are bound together by love and each other, but being pushed apart by the situation they find themselves in. It's an intimate, naked portrayal of a relationship facing a fissure that, can, that threatens to cut it to its very core. So I just think that sounds so lovely and wonderful. And I'm really excited to see that when it comes out. I, I mean, Stanley Tucci. I and first love of all, him. Devil Wears Prada. I mean, one of my my sister and I both share a love for this movie that's unparalleled. We watch it. I mean, for a little while before we had our cable come in, we would just watch it over and over again. <laughs> so we like... So she lives with me, and we like literally watch the Lord God over and over again. And he's one of the most brilliant people in that movie. That's and, how I am with Legally Blonde. Oh, great movie too. I could watch that over and over. Same. And I do. I've watched it a thousand million times. Um, he's he's really he's just he's a I mean a, an amazing actor, and yes, I like Colin Firth too. I I mean I know that um what is that movie the Christmas movie he's in. It's, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know it's a little problematic in some ways, but it's really charming, and I still love that movie. Um, yeah, with him and the – he meets the girl who speaks Portuguese, and yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Colin Firth is kind of that adorable, quirky British – Yeah, he has that. From so. the motherland. That's – oh, my God, I can't – I can't even have this conversation anymore. I don't know why she thinks Great Britain is the motherland, but it's fine. The queen mother. The queen mother. It's fine. Land. We can't talk about it. Um, it's this very wrong. So it's all for you, mom. <laughs> uh, so that's, that is a brilliant story. Yeah. I, I personally 
definitely, I can't do any, I'm not a sad movie person, and it sounds really sad. It like, does sound really sad. So I have to be in the mood for sad. Mm. I have to be in the mood to, like, be able to allow myself to be, to cry. And that's hard for me. So sometimes I I'm, am, I am actually in the mood for it because, uh, I have a really hard time crying to begin with. Yeah. So having something, even if it is man manipulating me emotionally and I am fully buying into that, I will take that opportunity to have a good fucking cry. I, I understand. I, I don't cry. Same. Like I just, I'm not a crier. Yeah. And I don't watch movies that would make me cry. I just don't do it. I once, by accident, watched my sister's keeper. And I was I was in, my girlfriend at the time was at work, and I watched it in Las Vegas. And I don't, I thought, I don't know what I thought it was, but I thought it was something different. Because it was Cameron Diaz. I swear, I thought it was like some completely different, and I get sucked into it. I was devastated. Like, I just, I can't do it. I won't do sad things. Like, everybody who knows, like, I won't do it. I can't even, thinking about the movie, I'm already sad. So and we'll I'm, go together. A hundred percent. We will not. But I just cry. Like I'm uncomfortable with like crying. Things. But, but I will tell you when I really need to like express my emotions, that's when I will like have a couple drinks or something and watch music videos. And there are certain music videos. <laughs> I'm not joking. There are certain music videos, like so, certain songs that like gut me to the core. And then I'll have like, I'll experience like my emotional what I need to experience, what needs to come out. So, yeah. It's weird, though, right? I imagine it's all Dawson's Creek type of... Uh... 100%. <laughs> I mean, it's... No, it's... I mean, yes, it is. It's, I will never, ever spill my, like, the few songs that I listen to, but but they're there in... Um, yeah, so... Or some musical theater will kill me, too. Like, yeah. There's certain... Yeah, certain shows. That, musical theater is my jam. It's my favorite thing in the world. My favorite style of music. I honestly wish that life were a musical and that, you know, there were times where, you know, you wanted to just bust out into song and you could, and everybody would just jump up and start singing along sure. and dancing with you. That would be so much fucking fun. It would be charming. Musical theater is, I mean, it's, it has such a place in my, it's my life. Like I love it more than anything, but there are certain things that certain performances I'll watch that like, if I need to be like gutted, if I need to have that feeling, I know exactly where to go. There's about five or six videos that I'll watch. And gotcha. that's sad movies. Yeah. I can't do it. I cannot. And if it starts to be sad, I'll like make some weird joke about it and leave. <laughs> like, Oh my God. Okay. Okay. Well, I know we're at the news, but I got to tell you, I went to see Manchester by the sea by myself because oh. I thought it would be kind of like a nice Boston movie. First I of all, can't, I can't do the Affleck dude. I know. Listen, I mean, Manchester, first of all, okay. Can we just talk about Jennifer Williams though? Like I think she is one of the most underrated actresses of our time I think she is gonna be one of those actresses that everybody will think back and just I mean she's brilliant she is I mean she, Dawson's great but from that like she went into she has brilliant roles in Manchester by the Sea I really have heard a lot about her performance so I really wanted to see that and I like Manchester by the Sea is the most lovely like town in New England it's so first of all you know I love boats it's I mean there's amazing boats out there. It's just, it's so beautiful. It's got that, like, you know, when you picture New England on the ocean, that's Manchester by the sea. I don't know what the fuck I thought the movie would be. And I love anything. Um, I think it's 824 and I love anything by 824 and, and Cassie, Cassie, Casey, Affleck, Casey, Affleck, but Cassie you know what I'm talking about. At that Cassie time, Affleck. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It didn't come out that long ago and I should have done more research, but I, 
didn't know much about it and I didn't yeah. think much about it. And truthfully, he's one of those guys that goes to restaurants a lot in Boston. And I know a lot of people that work, you know, and I worked in restaurants in Boston forever and they all have good things to say. They had good things. So I just, I never associated with him until when I found out about the other stuff and I really read into it. I 1000% agree. Yeah. I would not support that, but I did go see that movie by myself uh-huh. at the main art theater. For those of you who've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Oh my fucking God. Like I left in this like state of like, what just happened to me? I will never, I will never watch a movie like that again. I was so ruined and it's so brutal. And like, just, I can't even think of the parts right now that like, ugh. so I just have a really hard time with that movie. So, although that do- movie does sound lovely. It's, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me your last Wait, Okay, so last story. Okay. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a fun one. It's Harvey Weinstein. I've only seen the headline. Harvey Weinstein confronted by several people at a New York City bar. He went to a fucking comedy show, <laughs> Harvey Weinstein, with his, like, entourage. Um, and a number of people. Lisa Bloom and those people, people. Well, it, it does say that he was uh, seated with the table of women, so I'm not sure exactly who well, it was. Well, you know who Lisa Bloom is, right? I don't. Please tell oh, me. Oh, Lisa Bloom is uh, Gloria Allred's daughter. You know more. Gloria Allred? Tell me more. The quote-unquote super feminist lawyer for all women. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. She, uh, Her daughter is also com- supposedly a super feminist lawyer for all women. Turns out, though, she became one of uh, Harvey Weinstein's uh, hit people, fixers, to get rid of the fucking Me Too stuff. She basically was going to use the things that she knows about how victims behave and how victims are to oh. take the victims down. Like she's dirty and fucking disgusting. I it's well documented, actually. Okay. Uh, in Ronan Farrow's new book, Catch and Kill, he talks about that. I and and there were a couple of New York Times reporters, and I just don't know their names off the top of my head, who also who actually broke that story. Um. So I I, I thought like his uh, maybe I'm completely wrong here, but his lawyer ended up. He's got a team quit. of lawyers. Yeah, but the the the. the, the the woman that represented him at some point like quit because of how bad it got or something. I don't know. I'll have to look into that yeah, again, but yeah. Know. So, um, okay. Well, I don't, I'm not sure, but he was with a table full of women. So, um, a number of people reported conversations with the accused sexual predator, Harvey Weinstein, um, after the embattled filmmaker made an appearance at a New York city bar Wednesday night. So, I mean, he literally showed up at a comedy show. Uh, Harvey Weinstein was out with friends enjoying, so this is a spokesperson from him. Okay. Harvey Weinstein was out with friends enjoying the music and trying to find some solace in his life that has been turned upside down. Poor little Harvey. Oh, spokesman for Weinstein told NBC news. The scene was uncalled for downright rude. An example of how due process today is being squashed by the public trying to take away, uh, trying to take it away in the courtroom too. Uh, it just sounds like you're in public, dude. There's no such thing as due process in public. Like, due process is a fucking court thing. A person named Zoe Stuckless posted video of themselves confronting Weinstein at the bar. Nobody's going to say anything. Stuckless is heard screaming while pointing at Weinstein. I'm going to stand four feet from a fucking rapist and nobody's going to say anything. Stuckless, who identifies as non-binary, wrote that Weinstein was sitting in a booth surrounded by young women. Stuckless? Stuckless, yep. I love Zoe you, Stuckless. Fucking Stuckless. Zoe Stuckless, you're a fucking hero. Seriously. In some ways, tonight was hor- was a horrible, painful reminder of the power a man like Weinstein holds even now, Stuckless wrote. It's a reminder that even in hi- this time of relative awareness, it is hypnotically easy to be pulled into the culture of silence. 
The 21-year-old actor told NBC News they didn't recognize Weinstein at first and were in complete disbelief because they didn't think he would ever show his face at an event like that. Stuckler said that they thought of their own experience with rape and all of the women who spoke out against Weinstein. If no one says anything, then I owe it to myself. I owe it to the survivors and to all the women that Harvey has victimized to say something, Stuckless explained. Stuckless added that they were disappointed in others at the bar who didn't speak out against Weinstein's presence um, and reflected in in reflective of the culture of fear that allowed his alleged behavior to persist for years. That kind of complacency cannot and should not be allowed to continue, Stuckless said. And this is one of the other things that I actually looked into, too. Stuckless and Kelly Bachman shared a video of herself on stage at the show where she said she had to address the elephant in the room during the set. Nice. So this is from her set. Do we know what this is? Yeah, it's Freddy Krueger in the room, if you will, Bachman said. I didn't know we had to bring our own mace rape whistle to actors' hours. See, that's funny. And you know what? That's a funny rape joke. She actually, yeah, she said that in her set. So, that's like, it's really, fucking yeah. awesome. That's so clitty. <laughs> I love it. She's got so much clit. She don't Seriously, need no balls. Kelly Bachman. After some men in the audience booed her, Bachman responded that she was a rape survivor who never got the chance to confront her attacker. So, fuck that. She was able to. Well, not her attacker, but an attacker. She later said on her Instagram that the host of the show told her it wasn't the first time Weinstein appeared at Actors Hours. That's where he was that oh, night. Okay. Um, Bachman did not immediately respond to a request from a comment from NBC News. So, um, And both Bachman and Stuckless said that a male comedian who came on the stage next also spoke with Weinstein but praised him instead. Oh. Including a compliment for his work on the film Good Fucking Will Hunting. Fuck you, Fuck dude. you, yes. You know what? Zoe Stuckless, Kelly Bachman, hashtag heroes. Heroes. Fucking awesome. Those people are awesome. So, yeah. I, I It's bad, but it's also kind of good because it was a really fucking cool thing. Well, it she, shines a light. It, it maintains the light getting shown yeah. on him. And yeah. she was funny. And don't fucking go out. You don't get to go out anymore. You didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. You need solace. Don't go to an actor's hour either, you piece of shit like stay away from stay away just go home you're canceled bye bye well hold on we'll be right back well yeah but i'm saying bye to harvey weinstein oh yeah bye harvey weinstein bye that's what gays do munch butts and celebrate halloween <laughs> that was quite the hearty dose of vegetables Nicole, what are we talking about this evening? We are going to talk about queer Halloween. We're talking about Samhain. That too. <laughs> I, yes, I, all of it, all of it. <laughs> all of this it. Is, this has been a really fun month. It's we, been my favorite month. I mean, it's been like. Not the only month, but one it's been of them. my favorite month. <laughs> no, Halloween is the best time. It's the best spooky, month. Spooky season, all the good stuff. And this, you know, we on Queer, we've really focused on trying to bring queer Halloween to you. And this is the like culmination. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I was gonna say the pinnacle episode, but I like culmination, yes. Or the witch's brew. Oh, the, perfect. It's our potion. Yes. This kind of will bring it all home. Um, it's really, I mean, if from what I keep reading and, and I'm using this holiday as just generally, but like, you know, Halloween is like gay Christmas. Yeah. 
But I mean, gay holidays in general, but Halloween is a combination of like all the holidays and it is just gay Christmas. So it's gay Christmas. It's a witch's new year. Yes. So how about I start off with uh, the original origins of Halloween and you talk to me about how, how the great gays brought it home. Yeah. I think that sounds like a fun, uh, that sounds awesome. I'm very excited to learn about it. All right. So, so as I said, Samhain, which is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. So you've probably seen that word before. Most people are, you see it and you're like, Sam Hain. It's pronounced Samhain or Sowen, depending on who you talk to. Um, essentially, it just means the summer's over. Summer's ended. Can I ask a quick question yeah. about it before? Is, does it have any roots in Armenia? Not that I'm aware of. Um, it's it's in Armenia and Armenian last names always end with I-A-N. So I was just kind of wondering if that was actually like an Armenian, you know, if it was a derivative of some Armenian name or something. But no, yeah. I think it's Gaelic. Okay. But yeah. So, cause it's, I mean, it, it originally like sort of comes from that sort of Druidic pagan. Sure. Okay. Tradition. Yeah. Just curious. The A-I-N will always... It always strikes me as I, I immediately think Armenian, but sure. I think, well, that's a good question. Okay. Great. Um, so Samhain is the celebration of the end of the harvest. It's basically all the crops have come in and now it's time to celebrate. And um, it's also considered for witches, as I said, the beginning of the spiritual new year. And um, it is has obviously, I mean, like we talked about last week, how it's been sort of co-opted and and become sort of a more uh, non-religious, you know, sort of kitschy, fun uh, celebration. But for a lot of people around the world, me included, it is still a very sacred holiday. Um, So it originated in Europe as a Celtic fire festival. Samhain is now celebrated everywhere. The timing of contemporary Samhain celebration varies according to spiritual tradition and geography. Most of us celebrate over the course of several days and nights. These extended observances usually include a series of solo rites as well as ceremonies, feasts, and gatherings with families, friends, and spiritual community. Um, Many pagans in the Northern Hemisphere celebrate from sundown on October 31st through November 1st. Others hold Samhain celebrations on the nearest weekend or on the full or new moon closest to the time. So, cause full moons are obviously like a very important time for witches and pagans and lots of other people as well. But sure. Um, that time is, you know, considered to be especially werewolves. Yeah. Werewolves especially love full moons as you well know. It's very well documented. Teen mm-hmm. wolf. But in Vampire Diaries, they didn't love full moons because they didn't like transitioning. But okay, oh, okay. <laughs> that is your pop culture info for the minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ridiculous. I know. Keep going. Okay. Uh, la 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 la. Okay. Um, Samhain has also been known by other names. Some Celtic Wiccans and Druids call it. Uh, I'm just not even going to say all this stuff because I am just not good at the Gaelic. So it's, it's other names and you can find them in our show notes. If you click on the link, it's uh, not going to be said by me here. Common folk in uh, Ireland call it the feast of Mongfind, 
Mungfind, the legendary witch queen who married a king of Tara in Old Ireland. In the ancient Coligny calendar, an engraved bronze dating from the first century CE and dug up in 1897 in France, Samhain is called Trinuxian Simoni. Trinuxian? Trinuxian Simoni? Or Three Nights of the End of Summer. Various cool. spellings of Samhain include other spellings. That's a cool word, though. <laughs> Trinuxian, yeah, okay. Right? Try naming that to your cat that you finally get. Oh, okay. When I get over my cat allergy. Yes. With the growth and spread of Christianity as the dominant religion throughout Europe, Samhain took on Christian names and guises. All Saints Day or All Hallows on November 1st commemorated Christian saints and martyrs. All Souls Day on November 2nd was a remembrance for all souls of the dead. With the coming of Christian Spaniards to Mexico, the indigenous custom of honoring the dead at this time of year mixed with Roman Catholicism and gave birth to the Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos, in, which is, you know, in early, early November. November. Yep. Uh, Samhain shares the ancient spiritual practice of remembering and paying respects to the dead with these related religious holidays of Christianity. Uh, so today's pagan Samhain rites, while somber, are benevolent, and although centered on death, do not involve human or animal sacrifices. Most Samhain rituals are held in private rather than in public. Samhain's long association with death and the dead reflects nature's rhythms. In many places, Samhain coincides with the end of the growing season. Mm -hmm. uh, so vegetation dies back with, killing, with the killing frosts, and therefore, literally, death is in the air. This contributes to the ancient notion that at Samhain, the veil is thin between the world of, of the living and the realm of the, of the dead. And this facilitates contact and communication. So for those who've lost loved ones in the past year, Selwyn rituals can be an opportunity to bring closure to grieving and to further adjust to their being in the other world by spiritually communing with them. Is that something that you believe in? Yes. Can, is that something that can be done? Well, it's one of those things that every year I do put up an altar um, and I usually put up pictures of the people and animals Hoodoo and Mickey and Charlie and all the animals in my life that have passed. Sure. As well as um, incense, candles, some decor, some like fall kinds of decorations and food and drink and sort of as an offering to my, not just ancestors, but my loved ones that have passed. And I leave that out all night long. Can you do that for other people or is it just for yourself? Like, I mean, could I do it for you? Yeah. Like, if I wanted to do something like that, would it be better for me to do something like that? It would that? be, yeah. I mean, because I don't have a connection with those people. Yeah. I mean, certainly I could invite them to my house and, and, and invite them in for a banquet. Because that's essentially what you're doing with the altar. Like, you're inviting them to partake in your celebration and your feast. Because because of the harvest, there's all of this food, right? So that's where the tradition comes from in terms of the, the bonfires and the, and the candles and the glowing fires are to help keep the spirits, the evil spirits away, which is what the, the costumes and the masks are for as well. Right. But it's also to invite the spirits in that, you know, right. The family and loved ones that have gone before you. So you invite them in and you provide them with snacks. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, it's, I, I I enjoy the tradition and the ritual of it. Sure, yeah, which is, I mean, kind of all traditions is a ritual of it. You know, yeah. that's an important part. But um, okay, yeah, I mean that's 
pretty much, I mean, the whole article, I mean, there's a lot of like details and facts that I could, I could list off, but um, if you're interested in it, I highly recommend doing some research on it. Um, I'm putting a link up to the article that I'm sharing, but there's a lot of other really great information out there. And if anybody ever says anything Christian oriented in any of those articles, then you know, it's a bunk article and don't read it. Okay. Interesting. I found witchcraft books where they talk about Jesus and it's just like, what are you even talking about right now? Really? Yeah. It's huh. weird. Where do you, um, I mean, is this an Amazon thing? Where do you find witchcraft books here? Oh, you know? I usually, you know, for that kind of stuff, I really like to go to like, like a stores, physical a book. Physical yeah. Store. Sure. Yeah. Are there any good places in Michigan or is that more? I don't want to well, sound the like Boston Tea Room down here. Uh, mm, yeah. yeah, it's great. I don't want to sound trite, but like, like I don't. And again, I mean, this could be better, good, but like Salem in Massachusetts yeah. is filled with like, like people who are really passionate about it and yes. really live yes. that like yeah. that message too. Yeah. And you can really get some uh, some great information and yeah. stuff like that. So, but like here in Michigan, I'm I'm sure it's here. I just don't know. Like I haven't really. I don't I kind of, I don't want to get too personal, but I kind of be interested in learning a little bit about it just because of what I've gone through the last year and like losing my dad and stuff. Yeah. It kind of be like interesting to like, I don't know, see that stuff, especially I've read so much about that time where that veil drops and there's, it's the, the thinnest amount of space between the living and the yes. dead and that connection. And I don't, I think it'd just be kind of interesting. So. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. I mean, I don't ever, well, I don't, I shouldn't say ever, but in the past, I have done other rituals lately. I, I mean, in these past few years, I've sort of fallen out of step with any like sure. real practice outside of these small rituals that I do. But, yeah. um, I mean, look, if you want to do something, I think you should fucking should. And you don't need to make a big fucking production of it. Yeah. Like put a little cloth down and put, you know, some fucking nuts and an apple and a picture of your dad and a candle yeah. and you've got so it. I'm you know? a, like I, I, they, I, the incense is important and the candle is important. And, and those are important for different reasons. Like the incense, the smoke of the incense and the, it helps carry your, um, your wishes, your desires, your spells, your magic, whatever it is that you're sending your energy, however you want to sort of sure. put that the smoke helps carry it up to the spirits. Right. Okay. Um, and the candle helps, you know, keep it lit. So, you know, yeah, I, just, I don't know. I mean, it's not hard. It's not, you don't have to make a big production of it. It doesn't have to look like this crazy, like weird, weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. I culture, just, but, I, I, know. truth be told, I just, I don't know. I'm so not like that. Like I would like to me, I don't I, We've talked a bit about psychics and yeah. stuff and maybe we should get more into that. Cause I'm really interested in learning more. Maybe like, uh, teaching other people a bit more too because you know i've heard you mention the boston tea room a few times and be really interested interesting to check out um i've never done it i've never been to yeah. a psychic oh i worked at the psychic store once of course you did of course <laughs> but i i you know maybe i'm i'm interested in in checking that out so maybe we'll do that one time yeah that would be so much fun oh yeah let's do it cool all right well i am actually gonna start um by talking a bit about uh how halloween um, it, it how it became like a really highly represented in the gay community and how gays kind of play. Which I'm so excited to learn about because when you said this to me, I was just like, I mean, in well, a lot of ways it makes sense, but also it's just, yeah. I mean, it's I, not, I've always, 
identified it as through my witchiness that I, that I relate to Halloween. So like knowing that my queerness also relates to Halloween is really intriguing. Yeah. You're super, super boned up about Halloween. Um, but like, it's, I'm super clitted up about Halloween. I know, but it's just, it's just something I say. I don't, it's, I don't mean to gender it. It's literally just what I say. Like, let's say ankle boned. Ankle bones. Yeah. Yeah. Let's we're all into the ankle bones. Ankle bones. Um, yeah, those are, I have weak ones. That's why they break all the time, but oh. Yeah. Anyway, a story yeah. for another time. So, um, kind of this article is about um, All Hallows Eve or Halloween has long been held special in the eyes of the LGBTQ community as a holiday promoting acceptance, flamboyance, and freedom of expression. So that's what I really meant when I – I don't mean Halloween or All Hallows Eve was rooted in – the obviously not. It didn't come from the LGBTQ, but more the expression of it. I, I just – there's a really – um, there's just a really like con- connection that the, mm-hmm. the holiday and this community has had. And it, you know, this article talks a lot about Which it. Which actually, I mean, it makes so much sense. I mean, we wear so many different masks in our community mm-hmm. anyway, as we talked about, but I mean, just drag culture in general yep. where, I mean, there is a lot of emphasis in our communities on just fucking putting ourselves out there in ways that are a lot more dramatic and fun and, and crazy and weird and all these things. And so, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this article and yeah. I think that we should, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. let's take it on the, uh, yeah, tell me, the, tell the, me more, the, tell me more. History, the road right. there. How did a Celtic holiday transform into the gay high holiday? Yeah. I really want to know. You're interested, huh? This is a hundred percent interesting right. to me. I'll get a little background. The earliest Halloween Eves comprise of spooky storytelling sessions and entertainment such as dancing or singing. With the advent of Irish Post, the potato famine, Hallow's Eve blended with the Native American culture to give birth to popular games like trick-or-treating and costume parties. That's an interesting take. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the trick-or-treating thing is actually also a traditionally Samhain thing. Yeah. Where, like, kids who, uh, well... Yeah, kids who didn't have as much as other people were invited into the homes of other of more wealthy families to have bounty of the sure. harvest. Yeah, yeah, so. and this I mean this is also an interesting article because it like really um, kind of crosses cultural lines too. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of neat. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, recent records say that European regions witnessed poor people who guised during All Hallows Eve for food and money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Celts also believed in dressing up to fear the ghosts and souls that roamed on the night of the hallow, which is probably what we were talking about with the um, the thin veil. Yeah. 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 So. Keeping the evil spirits at bay and inviting the homely spirits. In. Yes. Yeah. Slowly, the eve of hallow transformed into a hallow evening. By Celtic roots, hallow evening became Halloween. Hmm. But. H-A-L-L-O-W-E apostrophe E-N. Okay. So, a little different. Um, Halloween is the original gay rights day in the early 1900s. Which is so fucking fascinating. Are you kidding me? Right? You Uh, know, in Palm Springs, that's about, this is about the time that they actually have their pride festival. Yeah? Yeah, because it's too fucking hot. (laughs) It is hot in Palm Springs in in summer. I mean, it's too hot. So, and they have it in October. Yeah. Yeah, um, actually, in uh, in Las Vegas, they have their Pride Festival in October, too. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I wonder if that is sort of tied in with 
Maybe. Or maybe it's 180,000 fucking degrees in the summer, but yeah. Or maybe it's tight in. I yeah. don't know. But it's it probably tight Maybe <laughs> yeah. it's neither. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So, and also, I will say, um, I'll get back into the story, but the, the best Halloween I've ever been to, Halloween celebration, 1,000% was West Hollywood. Nothing like it. It's, I mean, Santa Monica Boulevard, like, nothing like it there. Yeah. Like, out of, yeah. They, I mean, they do the best Halloween in L.A. It's unbelievable. So, anyway. So, um, Halloween as the original gay rights day in the early 1900s. When Protestant uproars against Halloween as a... When Protestant uproars against Halloween as a Catholic agenda was born, Northern American colonies skipped the eve. In the southern areas, however, Halloween became a time to protest the general norms and celebrate the harvest. Huh. Huh. Uh, it was at the turn of the 19th century in 1907 that a Pittsburgh paper reported the masquerading of girls as tomboys on Halloween. <gasps> what? Ooh, gender bending. In 1912, Halloween, women and men were arrested in Pittsburgh for cross-dressing. You know what? Here's the thing. I, I, I'm starting to see a pattern. Yeah. And I totally fucking get it. It's like the one time of year as your queer self that you can actually dress up and like play with gender and That's, people aren't going to fucking like hurt you or make fun of you. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what this article is about though. And uh, it was at the turn of the 19th century, 1907, that a Pittsburgh paper reported the, ma- Oh, just read that. I apologize. It's okay. Uh, why Halloween slowly began to grow into a time for unacceptable gender variants was vivid through costumes donned by youth at the time. So that's basically what you were just saying. That like how, that was the one time that yeah. gender variance was okay. Yeah. So you could oh, kind of get away with it. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Within two years, cross-dressing had become so prevalent that the Pittsburgh police declared they would no longer stop any cross-dressers during the holiday um, from therein. Oh, good. So Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh might have, like, been, I don't want to say the birth, because I don't know for sure, but, like, Seems like politically when the birth of Halloween and well, I mean, like, look, it's where queer eye, not queer eye. Uh, it's supposed to be where queers folk. Yeah, queers folk, takes takes, a, which actually was filmed in Toronto. I know, sure, but, yeah, but, but yeah, it's queers folk, so obviously it must be the birthplace, right? And it's actually really pretty. Pittsburgh's pretty. They have the hill. I've everybody, never been. Well, everybody I mean, from if Pittsburgh. I, have, I don't yeah. know. Everybody from Pittsburgh knows what I'm talking about with this hill. You can drive along it, and you can see the bridge and, like, the whole city. But, yeah, it's it's kind of lovely. So, I believe it. I mean, queer as folk, Pittsburgh, it's all connected. I get it. Um, according to author of Another Mother Tongue, Judy Grant, the LGBTQ community has long been a vital part of early Celtic cultures, too. And oftentimes were priests, shamans, witches, and healers who perform as a spirit is a spirit medium during the soul's day. <laughs> True. Perfect. Uh, 1930s drag balls. Nice. In the early 1900s, the great migration brought thousands of black people to the city of Chicago from all around the South. Unlike their white counterpo- counterparts, queer ba- black folks integrated into Bronzeville neighborhoods, upholding political office, owning their own business, and gaining prestige as artists and performers. These new ca- newcomers brought many cultural contributions like jazz and blues, along with the art of drag balls to the south side of Chicago, That's where they settled. fucking awesome. Right? Um, we talked about that a little bit, too, the drag balls. We, do, we definitely need to do our we drag so balls. Do, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Next year, 2020, we're going to do drag balls. 2020. 
Uh, cabarets were a year-round phenomenon which brought people together from across the LGBTQ spectrum to create a temporary space where the rules of normal society were suspended. Not only were these space uh, where not only were these spaces to cross the lines of gender and sexual orientation, but they were some of the first integrated public spaces in all of Chicago. Which is really interesting. Yeah. In 1935, Alfred Finney, an African-American queer street hustler and gambler, founded what became known as Chicago's best drag ball. Described as a gay at heart man, Alfred started Finney's Ball in the basement of a nightclub on Michigan Avenue. Finney's Balls went on to even be advertised in Ebony Magazine and drew thousands at their height. Okay, what is it? What does that mean, though? Well, we'll have to look into it a little gay bit Gay at his heart? Or what? I'm not sure, but it says, described it as a gay at heart. So I, my guess is that he just maybe held his identity really close to himself. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah, it wasn't I mean, gay and it was just gay at heart. But yeah, I mean, we'll have to look into that a little just bit Just a yeah. very happy man. Um, Pansies, crazes, and fantasy feasts. Oh, my God. Wait. Pansies. I love that the word pansies is used... To like disparage people because the fact is pansies are fucking strong as yeah. fuck. Yeah, yeah. Those suckers will freeze and come right the fuck back to life. It's so amazing. So well, the same with like the the in the opposite end of talking about like kicking somebody or like you have or you don't you have you have balls of steel when balls are like the weakest thing ever <laughs> and like ovaries are where the you know yeah you really so I mean yeah it's, yeah. it's funny how they yeah. do that right yeah. patriarchy. We see you. Fucking patriarchy. Stomping you out one day at a time. One day. All right. From 1920 until 1933, LGBTQ groups uh, performed shows across the United States during the pansy craze. I love that. The pansy craze. The pansy craze. While the general society discouraged switching of gender roles, prominent celebrities, both political and cultural, attended drag balls actively during the time. The pansy craze... um, harbored the beginning of extravagant drag balls and performances from gender variant people in Times Square, Greenwich Village, Harlem, and the Castro, all through the 1920s and 30s, and wider waves of acceptance continued to the flow forth. So, oh my god, that is awesome. I mean, that's, you know, in thinking the about the craze in and of itself sounds phenomenal. Yes. And thinking about those places, too, um, I mean, my, most of my experiences in the 90s, so not the same, but Greenwich Village, just the idea of, like, what a hub that was for, like, artists and how how much change come came through these, like, you know, alleyways and streets and these performances that yeah. happen there. Like, it's just, it's a magical place. And the same yes. with the Castro. I would love to do some more episodes about Greenwich Village and the Castro because they're really fucking magical. And, I, I you know. Uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, art is, art moves us forward. It helps us move forward. It really does. Yeah. Um, so um, Halloween Parade of 1974 began when Ralph Lee, a puppeteer, set forth, forth his expertise that soon blossomed into the first official gay pride parade of the nation in Greenwich Village. It welcomed gays, straights, drag queens, lesbian men, women, kids, teenagers, and people from all walks of life to support the emotion. Does that say what year that was? Uh, 1974. Oh, yep. I guess you said that. Sorry. I don't. No. That's okay. Um in five years, the parade crowd went from 160 participants to 250 fucking thousand. Fuck off. That's amazing. Yes. Um, witnesses from the night recall it as a magical eve when the colorful parade blended with the kaleidoscope attires and architecture of the Washington Square Arch 
um, Washington Square Arc on October 31st, 1974. Currently, it is the biggest LGBTQ pride parade in New York City. And that is Greenwich Village. So, oh, my God. Yeah, Can Washington you Square. imagine no. seeing that back in the day? I mean, oh, that would have been amazing. No, but, like, when we have when we talk and at the stories about going to New York City, I mean, that, my heart was in Greenwich Village already. I mean, also from, like, not not only from you know the perspective as an uh, a queer person, but also like a music perspective. Like talking about thinking about like Ani DeFranco playing in the Village and all of these like musicians, these really subversive musicians that like it's just it's such a, a magical place of like um, you know just really coming forward and spitting in the face of adversity. And so I think it's really cool that there's a connection. Yeah, to that's this. so cool. Um, uh, so we're talking about Rockland Place Harlem now. Uh, packing up to 6,000 people, Harlem was a hit for the masquerade parties. Oh, so, I'm Right? Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, that was the Cottonwood Club, too. So, it was yes. the origin of jazz and, like, that yes. music. So, um, moreover, the tabloids celebrated the same with headlines such as, Fag Balls, ex- fag balls Exposed, 6,000 Crowd, Huge Halls, Queer Men and Women Dance. <gasps> oh! Yes. Oh, yeah. Fag Balls Exposed. In fag sh- Balls Exposed. In short, another popular Halloween drag ball was born. Okay, heading into the Castro now. Another fucking awesome town, or awesome part of a awesome yeah. city. Yeah. Yes. Um, anyone interviewed before 1969 who wore masks did so to protect their identity. Being open and free with queer identity came with the Mardi Gras type of events in Hollywood and Castro way later. During the 1980s, a whopping 30,000 visitors came to the Castro to celebrate Halloween, and the and the parties continued every Hallow's Eve until the 21st century through the 1990s. The Sisters of the Prote- the Sisters of the Perpetual Indulgence. One oh, of- I love the sisters. They are amazing. Have you seen them? Anywhere? No, but I have to look they them up. They are so wonderful. They dress as nuns, generally speaking. Um... Yeah, go on. No, so uh, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, one of the infamous groups of transvestite nuns who began their careers in the Castro during the same time. So that's yeah. basically what it's saying that that happened. Yeah. So, oh, uh, they show I, like there are some around here that they show up at protests and things like that. And every time I see the sisters, I'm just like thrilled to be in their presence. Oh, that's so cool. I'll have to check that yeah, out for sure. Yeah, really cool. Okay. How Halloween became the gay Christmas by the 21st century. Halloween became the unofficial holiday to let oneself out without defamation or fear. With straight men donning drag costumes and straight women flaunting tomboy attires, gender variants had a significant role play during the gay Christmas of the 21st century. LGBTQ activists from the bygone decades, uh, recollect with a numbing voice how Halloween was the only day to be free as the same attire would be met with police repression, arrest, and public humiliation on regular days. Halloween has come a long way since pagan cultures and ghost stories now symbolizing the day of liberation and a play for queer people of all varieties. How fucking cool is that? That is so cool. And you know what? It gives me a, a different take on Halloween outside of the take that I've sort of already told you and like sure. like it gives me a whole fucking new appreciation for it that's amazing keep going uh last part in conclusion from costume parties to pride parades and impersonations Halloween proudly incorporates the colorfulness of the LGBTQ community true moreover it has become a festival of the true spirit of freedom and I think that also goes into religious freedom too when you're talking about what Hallow's Eve really came oh from. for sure I mean there are still people you know those awful people that 
you know, protest Halloween. Ugh, those people protest everything. So get out there and celebrate and enjoy. Happy Halloween from everybody from America in transition. And happy Halloween from queer, too. Fuck yes. Happy um, Halloween from queered. So fucking cool. I love happy that. Happy Samhain. Happy Samhain. So Blessed I, be, Mary Meet, Mary Park. I kind We're not of, done yet, though. So no, I want to finish Mary up Park. with one thing. Yes, tell me about the Babadook, because I so, know you <laughs> want to tell me about the Babadook, I'm very which excited. ties into last week, right? Yes. So. I mean, talking about scary movies, the Babadook. The Babadook. Babadook? Babadook. Okay. I like, it's the, Papa Baba. I'm from the Midwest. The Babadook. No, it's Papa Baba. I'm just, I yeah, I don't know if I'm really... Good at that. You're doing. You're doing great. So then, how did the Babadook come to make its way into gay culture? First, let's rewind a little. Yeah, I don't even know what happened there. Broken. It just happened. Okay. It's a broken machine. For those of you new to The Babadook, it is the principal scary movie in 2014. It's the film of the same title. The movie takes place in sunny Adelaide, Australia. We talked about it a little bit. Following Australia the... follows me. Fucking Australia. What are you guys doing? What is happening there? <laughs> um, I feel like the dingo ate your baby. That's, that's, that's really weird. That's, Moving on. Okay. Babadook. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, following the story of widowed Amelia and her young son, Sam, things begin to spiral when Sam develops a fascination with monsters and stops sleeping. One day, Sam brings a book called Mr. Babadook to Amelia to read, after which things start to get spooky. It is a pretty spooky movie. The Babadook begins to haunt Amelia and Sam, prowling through their house in dreams. The director directorial debut from Jennifer Kent is definitely worth a watch. Yeah. Okay. So, the rise of... How the fuck did it become a gay icon? Oh, it's kind of a funny story, isn't right? it? The rise of an icon. After the film was released, whispers on the internet turned into a full-on rallying cry. The Babadook was a gay icon. Prides of 2015, 16, and 17 even saw folks cosplaying as the Babadook. From indie film characters to gay icon, the scary monster rocketed into gay culture, starting from a somewhat... what likely place on the internet a tumblr post which tum tumblr's gay gay tumblr tumblr's gay you're do you do are no. you on tumblr okay but i, I mean like everything gay is on tumblr it's tumblr's gay. gay yep that's right the ironic post on tumblr proclaimed that anyone who said the babadook wasn't a gay icon clearly hadn't seen the film drawing over a hundred thousand notes on uh tumblr folks bantered back and forth about the merit of including the babadook into the pantheon of gay icons and joking about the B and LGBT actually stood for Babadook. Being <laughs> gay Babadook and <laughs> Later that same year, a doctored image of the Netflix home screen made its way. <laughs> oh my way. god, wait, like there's there's two parts of me. One, the erasure of bi people. And then the second, that's fucking hilarious. They, I, bi people, I think, even would agree that the, the B could get a little Babadook love. I think by people are, it's a very, it's, it's by Badook. By Badook. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. That's really funny. Yes. I do not want to erase by people. No, just go on. Yeah. Thankful just, they're part of our culture. Those are my two thoughts. Go on. Okay. Um, 
Okay, so the ironic post on Tumblr proclaimed that anybody who said the Babadook wasn't gay clearly hadn't seen the film, drawing over 100,000 notes on Tumblr. They banter back and forth about the merit of including the Babadook. Um, Later that same year, a doctored image of the Netflix home screen made its way around the internet. This is what I saw first. This is the best. Yeah, me too. The the image showed the Babadook as a suggestive film under LGBTQ movie categories. (laughs) From here, things got scholarly. Thanks, Netflix. In a 2017 article in the LA Times, uh, Karen Tongson, an associated professor of gender studies in English at USC, USC, explained the connection between the monster and the gay culture. This is amazing. So good. He lives in a basement. He's weird and flamboyant. He's living uh, adjacently to a single mother in this kind of queer kinship structure. As the film progresses, we see that the family initially struggles to accept the Babadook, but by the end of the film, they have found a way to accept him and live in relative harmony. As long as he stays in the basement. Some have said that reading the Babadook as a gay character, as a gay icon, is at best a leap of imagination. After all, the character never says he's gay, nor does he display any attraction to anyone over the course of the film. Blah, 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 blah. Fucking brilliant that we're actually talking about this. fucking goddamn imagination. With the Babadook, the worries crawling on the ceiling. <laughs> However, characters and people are not That's required... a whole new sexual position. However, characters and people are not required to be overt in their sexuality to be considered gay icons. Right? Both Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand have certainly been been claimed as gay icons by the community despite hetero tendencies. Tungsten says so many LGBTQ people have been barred from seeing themselves represented in popular culture, so we've had to project ourselves into so many of these figures. <laughs> I'm projecting myself into the Babadook the right now. I mean the Babadook. The fucking scariest Babadook crawling across the ceiling. Um, projection is the Babadook. You're, you're taking just, liberties. Yeah, you're going, taking liberties. I'm taking a lot of liberties. Projection aside, there is an argument to be made that a deep reading of the character definitely lends credence to the idea that the Babadook represents the queer journey, Tugs had said. There are ways to read into the character itself and the structure of how its un, uh, ostensibly monstrous thing becomes incorporated ultimately into a family. In 2019, with the real lack of queer representation in the media, it's no wonder folks have continued to read the Babadook as queer character. And above all, the Babadook is a gay. The Babadook as a gay icon is plain and simple fun. And if gender bending, flamboyant fun isn't isn't gay, then what the hell is Halloween all about? Right. I mean, outside of spirituality, it's not about anything about other than <laughs> the fucking, fucking queer people. The fucking Babadook. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Crawling across the ceiling. <laughs> like I said, it's a new position. It. I mean, that is a that. Would he be a? I mean, he'd be an ultra top. <laughs> but also, the way he's crawling across the ceiling might be a bottom top. I don't know. I don't even know. All right. Well, so that's that, folks. Um, I'm not going to diagnose the Babadook until the Babadook tells me what the Babadook is. The Babadook. The Babadite. Bye, but bye. Bi- I, nope, nope. You're, you're stretching the Babadook so hard. You're trying to rename so and gender the Babadook. I'm just doing it all. So uh, there you have it, folks. Uh, Halloween is gay. The Babadook is gay. Everything is gay. You're all gay. We love you all. Yeah. How about we do our questions? Let's do them. What an episode. <laughs> all right.
So, uh, should I go first? Yeah. Okay. My crush this week is since it's spooky month and it's Halloween and I am watching American Horror Story. It has to be fucking Emma Roberts. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. I'm 100% with you. I'm going to go with somebody slightly different from the same series. Okay. Go on. No, Tell me I, about Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts, first of all, like she's super hot and she's funny and she was Chanel and Scream Queens too. Oh my god! Yes, I and love she's her. just I don't know. She's just she's incredible in that way, and I just I don't I really like her. She's got like she's a little one of my very favorites forever and ever. Yeah, she's got a little snark, and I like that snarkiness, and she's just so fun. And I'm trying to like watch, you know, and I'm starting Coven, and Coven's amazing, and oh, watching all their so uh, good, yes, all the American Horror stories. So yeah, she's yeah. amazing, and she's hot, and I love her. So Emma Roberts, I hundred thousand million percent agree. Okay, with that because that's a percentage. That's a lot of thousand million okay. percent. A lot of percentage. That's an actual percentage. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree with you, and I want to get on the same board with you, but I'm not going to do it today. Instead, I'm going to go with Sarah Paulson. Oh, yeah. From um, American Horror Story as well. I mean, like, uh, she's fucking brilliant. She's amazing. She's so gifted, and she's a dyke. Yeah, and she, hey. she is She is amazing, and she's really, really funny on social media, and she's beautiful, and she's great. And is she, oh, I need to follow her. She's real fun on social media, yeah. So, um, yes, okay, great crushes. Yes. Yes, Emma Roberts, Sarah Paulson. Love, 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 love American Horror Story. Keep going. Same, all right. Forever. All right, well, this has been so fun. Halloween forever. Oh, my God, what a Happy Samhain, my witches. What a fun month, and I'm sad it's over. But well, we're becoming blah, 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 blah. we're coming back for the holidays and all holidays. Yeah, we've got and, lots of holiday yeah. things planned. Representation, all holidays. So, so yeah, for sure. So in the meantime, check us out on our socials. Yep, at Queerdos on Facebook, at Queer Podcast on Instagram. Please, please, please subscribe on whatever platform you use. Rate us kindly. And review. It's so important to us. It makes yes. such a difference. Review kindly. And if you see at the bottom of our notes, you can actually leave us a voice. You can leave us a voicemail. A voicemail, voice message. That and we, we might use. We might use it. And that'd be really awesome. It'd be You'd really be like almost famous. Like we're almost famous. Like we're, it's like we're basically famous because what? Your sister is right next to Erebus. And so we own a haunted house. I mean, so we're already like there. <laughs> So we own Airbus, basically, and we're just, yeah, we're famous. So. Yeah, so and there you, you go. Be famous. Be famous adjacent. Like, just do it. Like us, subscribe, and rate us. And review, and do all the great things, and find us on social media, and be our friends, and, and we love you guys. just remember that we're your big sisters, and we will tell you what's up. Well, yeah, or, well, if they're older, we're your younger sisters. Yeah. Or we're your twin. Oh, I don't know where that goes. Okay. okay, see you anyway, next Tuesday. Y'all are wonderful. Thank you so much. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> Stay weird. Be queer. Bye. Bye. Oh, oh. Just stop it. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually oh pretty God. good. Oh, which two? Fuck. Okay. No, you do it. <laughs> so much better. But that was good. I'm surprised. I'm impressed with myself. But I am yeah. too. Wow. <laughs>
You know, I have this really creepy voice I like to use. I don't like that. I don't like scary voices. I know. Yeah. That's what's so fun about it. The guy don't. Yeah. Stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs>